The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. We are continuing today to look at Elihu's response to Job. We've been on Elihu's response for several sermons now, and we are learning that his response to Job differs somewhat from the other miserable comforters. Elihu gets some things more right than they did, but he still misapplies them. In the first half of this message, we had begun to see that Elihu posits the principle that God is a good God, and certainly God is a good God. And that's the most important thing we can remember when we're in the midst of suffering. Now, Elihu doesn't get it all right. He misapplies many of these truths that he speaks, but he's right about this. God is a good God. In fact, he's so good that he loved us from before the foundation of the world. Join us today as we conclude this sermon from Job 35 and learn more about just how good God is. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
We can come boldly before the throne of grace because Christ, who had not come yet, but who was certain to come, and just as certain as He was to come, He was their Savior in that day. He was already their intercessor. He was already the mediator. He didn't become the mediator after He rose again. Yes, His position may have changed. He's seated at the right hand of the Father in in the sense of having been risen from the grave. But I'm telling you, beloved, He was always the eternal Word and the eternal Son of God. He was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He stood as a lamb slain. Whatever God said would happen, would happen. And he's missing that point here. He said, you just don't understand, Job. You're nothing to God. There's a sense in which we're nothing and less than nothing before him in our flesh, in ourselves. But beloved, we are God's portion. We are God's inheritance. He loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. He was willing to lay down his life for us and he'd have done it if you'd have been the only one in the covenant of grace. See, that's how much he loved us. He didn't love us just because, well, there's enough now. I'll go die for him. He didn't start picking them and choosing and saying, okay, well, now I've got enough. No, he was ready to die if he'd have only chosen you, child of God. But be that as it may, see, Elihu, he does make a point here. There is no changing God, the greatness of God. You know, he tells us, God himself says in one place, don't don't think too highly of yourself. I think it's Psalm 50. He says, if I were hungry, I wouldn't ask you. (laughs) I own the cattle on a thousand hills, okay? I'm greater than you. And, 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 And in the sense that Elihu's talking about it, yes, God cannot be changed. But then notice, he begins to move here from the greatness of God and he misses that love of God, but, but let's just move on from that. He, misses, he moves from the greatness of God to talking now about the ingratitude of men. Notice he said in verse 8, he says, Thy wickedness may hurt a man as thou. In other words, what you do here and now does hurt people around you. It does affect people around you. And notice about people around you. Verse 9, By reason of the multitude of oppressions, they make the oppressed to cry. They cry out by reason of the arm of the mighty, but none saith, where is God my maker, who giveth songs in the night? Now, let me just stop there. and Notice what he's saying. He's saying that the only time people generally cry out to God is when they're in trouble. And I'm sorry to say he's got that about right. (laughs) I've cried out more to the Lord in the last few weeks when I've been dealing with a certain issue that I've had to deal with than I have in the last six months. You know, and I'm, you know, you say, preacher, you shouldn't have confessed all that. Well, I'm, I'm going to get y'all up here to confess one of these days and <laughs> tell about all the stuff y'all are doing too because I know you're experiencing the same thing because we're all in the same boat. When I am in distress, I cry, I cry, uh, I cry to God. And Elihu's making a good point here. He's saying you don't call on him until you're oppressed. So when he's giving songs in the night, when, when he said, None saith, Where is God my maker who giveth songs in the night, who teaches us more than the beasts of the earth and maketh us, maketh us wiser than the fowls of heaven? He said, When all things are going good, you're not calling on him. People don't call on him then. He said, There they cry, but none give answer because of the pride of evil men. Surely God will not hear vanity, neither will the Almighty regard it. In other words, Job, the only reason you're calling on him now The only reason you're making these complaints against him is because you're oppressed. And God's not going to hear you because it's just pure vanity. Pure vanity. When you're crying out like this, you're just being insincere and God doesn't hear you because of pride. God will not hear vanity. And this is why, Job, 
God isn't answering you. Like most men, you're not crying out to God until you're in the midst of the trouble. Now, let me just point this out, that Elihu is absolutely wrong right here. We're not going back there and read it, but you go back to chapter 1. And you're going to read something about Job there. Job was not a man who waited until he got in trouble to cry out to God. He was actually making sacrifices on behalf of his children, even in times when they weren't in the worship service. He, he was praying for them. He was, he was interceding on their behalf. So Elihu gets this, just gets this wrong. You know, he's, just, he's like the other miserable comforters, you know, and I, I encourage us all that when the time comes to try to comfort someone in their distress, making accusations doesn't do any good. I'm the world's worst. I was a prosecutor by nature, by, by, by profession. I mean, I like to pick out the, the accusation and level it, you know, and say, well, you're here because of this and this and this, you know. But, but sometimes, and especially when we're comforting other children of God, these kinds of accusations don't do any good. And then he takes Job to task in verse 14. He said, although thou sayest, thou shalt not see him, yet judgment is before him, therefore trust thou in him. But now, because it is not so, he hath visited in his anger, yet he knoweth it not in great extremity. Therefore doth Job open his mouth in vain. He multiplieth words without knowledge. What he's saying here, essentially, is Job, he's taking Job to task for saying, where is God? You know, he had Earlier in the, in the book of Job, he had said, where is he? I want to lay out my case before him. He said, I can't see him. I, I, I look around and I can't find him. But he said, Job, even if you can't see him, judgment is before God. Judgment is always before him and you ought to trust him. And he goes on to accuse him further of being ignorant. He says, you're just multiplying words without knowledge. And maybe Job was. Maybe Job was. I've learned in my experience with other people and even with myself that the times of great distress are the times when I tend to lash out, when others tend to vent and lash out. I had to, I think I mentioned this Sunday that when I was a prosecutor, there were many, many times I had to sit there and let the victims just berate me and vent on me before we could get to the point where we could have constructive conversations because they were so hurt and they were so upset and under such distress. And you know, sometimes that's, the kind, that's, that's where we have to be compassionate and long-suffering with one another. There may be times when you and I lash out at one another because of the burden we're under. You don't know what burden your brother is under or your sister is under. And so you don't need to take offense at the first time they snap at you. Now, you shouldn't snap at them. I'm not justifying that, but I'm just telling you there are times when, when you lash out, you see. And Job did that. Job did that. Okay. That's where I think Elihu gets it wrong. He says some good, true things. But I want to go back to a verse as we bring this to a close. I want to go back to verse 10. And notice what he said about God here. He said, God the maker who giveth songs in the night. He giveth songs in the night. Now, this is an important concept that Elihu seems to just stumble across accidentally and doesn't even really see the significance of it, I don't think. Because his point here was that God is blessing you even in the night and you don't, you don't thank him for it. But I want you to notice what he said here. God is a God who gives songs in the night. I, I read this quote from... 
from Spurgeon. I don't agree with all of Spurgeon's theology, but I, there's many things he says that are, that are good statements, good biblical statements. Any man can sing in the day. It is easy to sing when we can read the notes by daylight, but he is the skillful singer who can sing when there is not a ray of light by which to read. Now you think about that. Have you had the night seasons that I've had where it seemed like God was clean gone forever and I had, no, I had no sense of his spirit, I had no sense of his presence, and I had no sense of any other one around to comfort me. I felt alone in the night. I felt like I was the lone ranger. I've had an experience just recently where I had prayed and I had talked to the Lord about how to approach something and I had it all in my mind and I felt his presence right up until the point where I began to actually deal with the problem. And it seemed like I couldn't feel him anymore. I couldn't feel it and I left that situation in conflict. I left that situation troubled. I left that situation not feeling good about it. And it was a pretty long drive that I had ahead of me. But by the time I got home, God had given me a song in that night. I had felt his presence again. I had felt it before. I didn't necessarily feel it during the time of it. And let me just say this too. We ought to always seek the peace of God. Yes, we should. We should always seek to, to find his peace. And, 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 and God blesses us with a sense of his peace. But sometimes when the general is around the corner and we can't see him anymore, it's just our duty to soldier on with the last orders he gave us. Sometimes we may not feel his presence. We may not feel his, his manifest presence with us but if we're soldiering on under the directions that he's given us in his word and the leading he's given us by his spirit even if we don't feel his spirit he, that's that's walking by faith that's walking by faith when we we may not have that sense of peace certainly we should seek the peace of God in our decisions but even once we realize we're doing what God said to do whether we feel the peace or not soldier on he will give you a song in the night. In Psalm chapter 42, listen to this. You know, I love the Psalms because I, I, have, I need the Psalms. This is David crying out and others crying out in their distress. I have a lot of distress in this world. In Psalm 42 and verse 1, As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. This is a picture of a child of God who is thirsting for the presence of God, for the, for the word of God, for the true worship of God, for the place of worship. We sing a song about this. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before him? My tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? The enemies of this world that we've been preaching about in our series on the spiritual warfare that we're in. They will make fun of you. They will, they will deride you. They will look at you and say, where's your God? Things aren't working out too good for you now, are they, big boy? The name it and claim it crowd can't help you then. The prosperity gospel can't help you then. The prosperity gospel that says just have enough faith and everything will work out beautifully. Beloved, everything doesn't work out beautifully in this world. There are times when our soul thirsteth for God. There are times when we are struggling and our tears are our meat day and night. I've been through those seasons. I've understood what he's talking about here. And he goes on to talk about various things. But notice, look, in, look at the verse 8. He said, Yet the Lord will command His loving kindness in the daytime, 
and in the night his song shall be with me. He giveth a song in the night, in the night seasons, when all is dark and hope seems to flee away. God can give you a song in that night. That's what Elihu says by almost by accident here. It's what Eliphaz and the others, Bildad and the others, missed about the God who is Job's God, the God who loves Job and loves you, child of God. He will give a song in the night. In the night, his song shall be with me. Look over at Psalm 77 just for a minute. We're going to close here in just a minute. Psalm 77, verse 1, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. Have you been there? I've been there. Have you experienced that deep valley that's almost no hope, a valley of despair, where your soul refused to be comforted? I remembered God and was troubled. I've been there. I've thought about God, and you think, well, that'll fix everything. I can read a little bit in His Word. That'll fix everything. I was troubled. I was even troubled when I thought about God and was, I complained. My spirit was overwhelmed. Selah. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. But notice in verse 6, things tend to start to turn around. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart and my spirit made diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? We, we could keep reading, but let's just skip down to the end here. He says, verse 14, Thou art the God that doest wonders. Verse 15, Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. He goes on to talk about the way in the sea, and he said, Thou lettest, verse 20, Thou lettest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. You know where his, you know where his spirit began to turn, where his soul began to take comfort? He called to remembrance his song in the night. You remember Paul and Silas? At midnight, they were in the prison. They weren't in the palace. They were in the prison. And at midnight, they began to sing the songs of Zion. They began to sing the songs of praise to the Lord. The Lord sent an earthquake and delivered them from that prison. He literally delivered them. But beloved, I want to say to you in my own experience, there have been times when I was in the prison of my own mind, in the prison of the troubles of my life, and I was there, felt like my sore was running in the night, and my weeping would not stop, and I I called to mind the songs of Zion and God sent a spiritual earthquake into my heart. <laughs> and he, up, he, he shook the walls of that prison and he brought me out. He brought me out. You know, I don't know if this is the correct application of this, Brother Buddy, but it gives me a little bit of hope. What, you know what one of the last things the Lord did with his disciples? After he implemented that Lord's Supper, he changed the order of worship forever from the old economy of the law under the Passover to the new economy of grace with a communion service. It says they sang a hymn and went out in the Mount of Olives. 
I believe that was comforting to our God. The storm clouds of Calvary were not just gathering, they were about to break upon the hill of Golgotha. And God, in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, sang a hymn with his disciples. I want to tell you, beloved, when I come here, it may just be a few of us. I may be down, I may be in the valley of despair, in the valley of the shadow of death, and I hear the songs of Zion. It brings me back. It shakes the prison that I'm in. So what song is it? What song is it? And we'll bring this to a close. What song is it that delivers us? Well, over in the book of Revelation, the fifth chapter, we read about a new song. And I heard that song we sang earlier, the song, I Love to Tell the Story. I Love to Tell the Story. There's a verse in that song that always strikes me. And the verse goes like this. He says, I love to tell the story for those who know it best, seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. And when in scenes of glory, I sing the new, new song, it will be the old, old story that I have loved so long. You know, there's a new song talked about here in the book of Revelation, and there'll be parts of it that'll be new. But beloved, this is what the song says. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. They sung a new song. Thou, speaking of Christ, art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. That's the new song. But guess what? It's the old, old story. It's not going to be... I hope that that new song is not going to be all that new to you and I when we get to heaven. I hope you understand that we're already singing it here. That's one thing that we will do in heaven that we can start down here is singing that new song. Even in the midst of our burdens, in the midst of our trials, God gives us the strength to bear it. But how is it? He gives us that song, that new song in the night seasons that we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. No matter what happens in this world, one day He's going to fix it all. Not because of what we've done, but because of what He did. And that song in the night seasons of suffering helps us to bear it. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.